You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Plenty to keep us uh, busy on this Friday edition. Another week down, 60 minutes to run through it all. Of course, the number, you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Twitter, the march towards 5,000 continues. It's not a fast march, but it's a march, right? Nobody marches quickly. Whether they march at all. Right now, it's more like standing in place, but still, I think the forward momentum is still continuing. But uh, I guess that's up for debate. Daily poll question is up for today. We'll get to that in a little bit, but let's start with the three top headlines as we do every morning. You know, it's funny because yesterday we had a caller who he had a request. He wanted, he wants our segment headlines to return. He really missed Florida man. And we wondered aloud, the two of us, what has Florida Man been up to? So as we start with the headlines of the day, let's start with the New York Giants. Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker. You remember him? Well, you're really going to remember him now because now he is facing four counts of armed robbery. That after an incident with a gun in Florida. The affidavit states that Baker pointed a semi-automatic gun at a party goer and directed two others to take money and valuables from two other party goers, Seahawks cornerback Quentin Dunbar. He is also wanted on four counts. Apparently this was some sort of cookout, a party where there was uh, some, some gambling going on, some card games going on, some video games going on. You know, I have found myself sometimes in the uh, mode is if you uh, play Grand Theft Auto for a while, there'll be moments when you're in your regular day, you're like, mm, I, I, you know, if, if life were like Grand Theft Auto right at this moment, I could do this. But, of course, joking uh, right now probably isn't appropriate because it really doesn't get any worse than this. Oh, actually, it does. The affidavit also says that Baker told a third person to shoot someone who walked into the party while the robbery was going on, allegedly. Uh, in total, over $12,000 in cash, over $61,000 in watches were taken. Witnesses said the uh, people there were, play, as I said, playing cards, video games, and some gambling going on at the party. Giant spokesmen said that they are aware of the situation but would have no other comment at this time. So apparently Joe Judge, not the only judge that Baker is going to be seeing anytime soon, um, there have been some reports that Baker and Dunbar had been playing cards, had lost some money gambling, and that they felt like that they were hustled out of the money. And there are some reports online that they didn't view this as a robbery. They just felt like this was a, you know, getting even for being hustled out of their money. Problem is, you know who doesn't see it that way? Yeah, the law. Does it when you when you take money from people that does not belong to you and use a gun in the process, you don't need to be Perry Mason to know that that is viewed as armed robbery. So Baker, obviously, you know, will say he's innocent until proven guilty and all, but given the details here, it's pretty hard to see how his NFL career, how his Giants career can continue. I keep seeing these headlines. He may be in trouble. 
Yes. Yes, I think that that's a fair statement. I would agree. He may be in trouble. And I mean, I think the first thing that everybody kind of reacts to this, when you read this story and you read the details, is obviously what what was he thinking? What could you possibly – I guess you're just not thinking, right? You're just working on emotion. Obviously, if you're thinking, you can say you are colossally dumb. I mean, he signed a contract. He was a, a, a first-round pick just a year ago, signed a contract for $10 million with a signing bonus of over $5 million. And to be taking even what they took, uh, what, like 12000 uh, 12, in cash, $61,000 in watches – you do have to wonder, you know, what was going on in his head that he thought that this would uh, that this would be okay. And Baker had a, I mean, there's no other way to put it, had a brutal rookie season. He did turn it around some at uh, the end of the year, but uh, had a lot of issues, especially for a guy who came in as a first-round pick, didn't pick up the playbook very well right away, got called out by the team for a lack of commitment, had a game, I think it was against the Jets, where he failed to hustle and got called out by uh, Pat Shermer at the time. Now, he did turn it around some, but his career very well could be over. And at the age of 23, I mean, the words sad, pathetic, stupid, waste. Um, but again, we'll see how this kind of thing plays out. Witnesses believe that the robbery was planned. Why they feel that way was that there were three getaway cars, and according to witnesses, the cars were positioned for a speedy getaway. And among the cars, I mean, it wasn't like they were going with um, a nondescript car. One of the cars was a Lamborghini. So uh, not exactly a lot of great details if you're DeAndre Baker. And for the Giants, Boy, this kind of puts the brakes pretty rapidly on what had been a pretty positive offseason that they were having, especially compared to, you know, some of the past offseasons. They hired Joe Judge, which was questioned at the time. You know, it was pretty clear that they really wanted to hire Matt Rule, and Matt Rule turned them down rather than them turning him down. But I think a lot, a lot of people felt better about the pick of Judge the more that they heard from him. I know I did. We were saying that around this time yesterday, but uh, the and the and the draft class this year got nothing but positive reactions and reviews. The draft grades were all good, and not that anybody can really judge a draft right after it takes place. But could you imagine being John Mara and you get this phone call, and after giving Dave Gettleman another year, and here's a guy that Dave Gettleman traded up to get in the draft, and I believe. At the time, was he the first cornerback taken? It was. I think that there was a run on cornerbacks after DeAndre Baker was taken. So here, just from the football point of view, and I think that that's kind of what we care about more than the the off the field stuff and the legal aspects, which is obviously the number one thing. But for sports fans, it's going to be how does this impact my team? And here you have a guy on your team allegedly committing armed robbery at a cookout. And that Giants cornerback room the last few years, not that this is on Gettleman per se because he didn't draft the other ones, but, uh, you know, between Eli Apple, who, I mean, you've had some real winners there. Apple, who was called a cancer by his own teammate. You had Janoris Jenkins doing what he did last year and, and, and getting released. 
And, you know, I look, everybody's going to be quick to blame Dave Gettleman. There's no way Dave Gettleman could have predicted this. I mean, people keep saying, well, he had red flags. I don't think the red flags were for armed robbery. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there were no armed robbery red flags. But at the end of the day, if you're Dave Gettleman, you're judged on the picks you make. You are judged by the record wins and losses. And the record is, it's pretty clear at this point, that pick is going to be a complete bust. And if you're in the job long enough and you make enough picks, you're going to have picks that turn out to be busts. The problem for Dave Gettleman is, I think for most people, is that he is the one who has touted you have to get the culture right. It's all about turning around the culture within the Giants. It's not just about rebuilding the talent. Clearly, that was the kid. They need to rebuild the talent. But they also need to rebuild the culture. And you talk about cult and move guys out. Good players, you've moved them out because of the culture. And no matter if it's Snack Harrison's, if it's Odell, whoever they have moved out, none of them are going to be as detrimental to the culture as someone who is now going to be charged with armed robbery, allegedly. So that's headline number one, 1-800-919-ESPN. Headline number two, baseball commissioner Rob Manfred was on CNN last night detailing and outlining what the protocols will be for coronavirus testing for the league that they hope to implement, assuming that there is a season. Frequent tests will be key, according to Rob Manfred, for the sports start or restart, and that a positive test will not mean shutting down an entire team. So here's Rob Manfred, CNN, talking about hoping to save the MLB season. I think it's hopeful that uh, we will have some Major League Baseball this summer. We are making plans about playing in empty stadiums. Um, but as I've said before, all of those plans are dependent on what the public health situation is and uh, us reaching the conclusion that it'll be safe for our players and other employees to come back to work. Okay, so what if no season happens this year? Yeah, the, the, the economic effects are devastating, uh, frankly, for the clubs. Um, we're a big business, but we're a seasonal business. And unfortunately, uh, this crisis began at kind of the low point for us in terms of revenue. We hadn't quite started our season yet. And if we don't play a season, the losses for the owners could approach $4 billion. All right, $4 billion is the, uh, you know, could approach some some wording there. I mean, he's painting the worst case scenario, and you have to keep in mind of the there, there's a PR battle going on here. There's a there's a battle to win hearts and minds in terms of the the negotiations between the players and the, the union right now. And clearly, Major League Baseball and the owners have done a better job, I think, presenting their case in the PR battle than the uh, players have. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but Manfred also said that the Major League Baseball plans to test players and other personnel multiple times a week using a drug testing lab in Utah. It converted to process thousands of COVID-19 tests weekly. Additionally, for those who show symptoms, the league would use rapid point-of-contact testing to determine 
whether or not they are infected, were someone to test positive, that individual would be quarantined and those who have come in contact with the person would be rapidly tested as well. Those who do test positive would be quarantined using testing negative twice over a 24-hour period. Now, the protocols, Manfred said, would include everything uh, from the cleanliness of chartered flights between series to reduce exposure by players to stadium workers. But, of course, testing, that is going to be the key. So here's one more from uh, Rob Manfred on what if a player does not – if baseball works out a deal on the money, what if a player doesn't feel safe to play this season? Well, we hope that we will be able to convince the vast, vast majority of our players uh, that it's safe to return to work. The protocols for returning to play, that the health-related protocols are about 80 pages in length. They're extraordinarily detailed. They, they, they cover everything from how the players will travel, private charters, how those charters have to be cleaned. Um, who has access to the ballpark, strict limits on number of people, tiering of employees. So even those people who are in the ballpark will be isolated in general from the players. Um, so we'll hope that we'll be able to convince them that it's safe. At the end of the day, however, if there's, you know, players with either health conditions or just their own personal doubts, um, we would never force them or try to force them to come back to work. They can wait until they feel they're ready to come. All right, so that's important because if baseball does work out an agreement on the financials, there are going to be some players, whether or not it is pre-existing conditions or just in their own mind. You know, there's pressure from family as well. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of wives saying, hey, you know what, I don't want you risking this. And that, uh, I'm sure, for some players will play a part on what their decision is to either play or not play this year, assuming, again, they can work out uh, the issues on the financial side. Then you have the Tampa Bay Rays ace, Blake Snell. Snell was on his Twitch channel interacting with fans. Was this yesterday? Maybe the day before. And he was talking about whether or not he would feel comfortable playing this season given the financial aspects. Already, the players have agreed to a split of the revenue for this year, right? They're going to make less 50% less because there's going to be hopefully 50% less games. But he also kind of touched on what the financial negotiations to play this year. And I think that while he is the only one saying it publicly, it's already clear that a lot of players agree with what he said. So coming up, we will play for you, if you have not already heard it, Blake Snell's comments about splitting the revenue and not playing this year for reduced play or reduce pay, I should say. But that also ties into our poll question, which is, he said, among the things, that he is risking his life and that he's not going to play for a reduced salary this season. So our poll question is, after hearing the comments, and we'll play for them, play them for you coming up, are you pro-Blake or are you anti-Snell? We uh, kind of gave you the headlines of the morning. DeAndre Baker of the Giants, or at least currently of the Giants, but I don't know how much more longer that's going to be the case if uh, these charges prove to be true. Boy, those Zoom meetings must be going swimmingly at the Giants. Huh? Uh, and then the second headline was Rob Manfred was on last night on CNN, 
kind of detailing the uh, health protocols, the coronavirus protocols for baseball if they do get up and running this season. And if they miss the entire year, according to the baseball commissioner, the owners could stand to lose $4 billion. Not that anybody's going to be really crying any tears for them, but our poll question today ties into the comments of Blake Snell, which seemed to be everywhere yesterday. Snell was talking on his Twitch channel. I say that like I knew what the hell a Twitch channel was before 24 hours ago. Uh, but this you is know what now? he had. What's that? You know now? Gordon. I believe it's a social media platform where you can kind of broadcast to your followers. I don't know what the. Sort the, of. Like you yeah. can stream like what you when you're playing Fortnite or something like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean. That's not really high up on my list of things. I'm not that into yeah, it, but really I know some people Fortnite, in the station that are into it. I certainly wouldn't be streaming it to other people. Not that any people would watch, but uh, I don't. Uh, but here we go. Here's Blake Snell, his comments about the ongoing negotiations between the players and the owners. No, I'm not splitting no revenue. I want all mine. Bro, y'all got to understand, too, because y'all going to be like, bro, Blake, play for the love of the game, man. What's wrong with you, bro? Money should not be a thing. Bro, I'm risking my life. What do you mean it should not be a thing? It 100% should be a thing. If I'm going to play, I should be getting the money I signed to be getting paid. I should not be getting half of what I'm getting paid because the season's cut in half on top of a 33% cut of the half that's already there. So I'm really getting like 25%. On top of that, it's getting taxed. So imagine how much I'm actually making to play. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't making And on top of that, so all that money's gone. And now I play risking my life. And and, what, and if I get the Rona, on top of that, if I get the Rona, guess what happens with that? Oh, yeah, that stay, that's in my body forever. That damage is not going to be like the damage that was done to my body. That's going to be there forever. So now I got to play with that on top of that. So y'all got, I mean, y'all got to understand, man, for me to go, for me to take a pay cut is not happening because the risk is through the roof. It's a shorter season, less pay. Like, bro, it's, yeah, man, I got to, no, I got to get my money. I'm not playing unless I get mine, okay? And that's just the way it is for me. Like, I'm sorry if you guys think differently, but. The risk is way the hell higher, and the amount of money I make is way lower. Why would I think about doing that? Like, you know, I'm just, I'm sorry. So in my head, I'm preparing for next season. And I'm preparing, well, I'm actually preparing for right now. But as if I'm preparing for next season. Like, it's it's super weird, man. More Twitch streams for us, that's facts. But guys, I'm just saying, man, it just doesn't make sense for me to lose all of that money and then go play and then be on lockdown, not around my family, not around the people I love, and get paid way to hell less. And then the risk of injury runs every time I step on the field. So it's it's just it's not worth it. It's not. I love baseball to death. It's just not worth it. All right, so there's Blake Snell, his thoughts on the uh, financial negotiations between uh, Major League Baseball and uh, the Players Association. And uh, look, people will ridicule the way that he had to say it or the way he did say it with, you know, the bros and the Rona. If you catch the Rona, it's hard to be taken seriously when you're referring to it as the Rona. But I, but I think it's already clear and it's already been out there that, that several players have come out and said, no, I, I agree. Uh, Nolan Arenado, 
Uh, also, uh, Bryce Harper has come out and said that he agreed with what Snell had to say. And I think that Snell's comments, while maybe not put in the same way, is the true feeling of most Major League Baseball players. And I think, look, if he feels that the risk is too great to play this year, as Rob Manfred has already said, Major League Baseball is not going to force players to play under their contracts this year. If they feel like the health con- you know, concerns are too great, they can sit out the year. The problem is he's got a, he's got a couple of problems in my eyes. He keeps bringing up that he's risking his life. But he's okay risking his life if he gets his full salary. If you're looking for anyone to he, – he seems like he's someone who wants other people to put themselves in his shoes. The problem with that is 99.99999% of people would jump at the chance to be put in his shoes. Now, people have brought up that during spring training, he had said, you know, if I get it, I get it. It's not a big deal. Well, the problem with that is that we've all kind of, it's a little unfair to be holding him to comments that he made a couple of months ago, when a couple of months ago, we all felt that the world was different a couple of months ago. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to crush him for that. But the problem for him also is that there is a PR battle going on. And there's a reason why Blake Snell is not a spokesman for the MLBPA. He does not help the PR battle in any way. There's no way you can hear him and hear his comments and think that he's helping. And finally, the last problem he has is that most of the points that he brings up are completely meaningless. Now, like, if he is, if his problem is that Major League Baseball players have already agreed to a prorated contract for this year based on the amount of games played. And he doesn't, he, he feels like, all right, they've already made that deal. I'm not going to negotiate a further reduction. That's a legitimate, that's a legitimate point to make. A lot of people have, are on his side. But the other things that he brings up, well, you know what? We're, we're only getting paid half our con, you're only playing half the games. Your contracts are based on the amount of games, based on a full season. If you're only playing half the games, even the Baseball Players Association has agreed if you're playing half the games, you're only going to get paid half your salary. So the problem you have with that one is not with the owners. It's with your own union. Then he brings up taxes. Coronavirus did not invent taxes. Taxes are taxes. What the hell are you talking about? I'm not saying that he is wrong, but there's no way that you can listen to what Blake Snell had to say and be like, yeah, you know what? I agree. There's something, there's what you say and it's the way you say it. And Blake Snell, the way he says it, it's very, very hard to feel any sympathy for him whatsoever. Buster only had some comments about what uh, Blake Snell had to say. Here's Buster. What we've gotten from the Player Association and, and also on ownership side with their clearly they're leaking to, to reporters the proposal they had for the players, it, it's just a reminder, these people are insane. Like, do they have any self-awareness uh, about what's going on in this country? Because to talk about money out loud and to talk about, uh, you know, the, what you're, you don't want to give up, 
it, no one wants to hear it. It is the worst possible time to be talking out loud about salary cap and you know uh, salary that you may have lost in taxes when 30 million people have lost their jobs and their people lined up in, in lines to get food uh, and people are wondering how they're going to pay the mortgage. It's insane. And I keep waiting for leaders to emerge. Okay, so, I mean, in, in fairness, this is his true feelings, uh, and it was made on a Twitch channel, which I'm sure he probably did not think would get nearly the amount of tension that it did. If, if he did know that it was going to get out there and he feels comfortable with the tone that he gave off during these comments, uh, then he really has a problem. I'm sure Major League Baseball's Players Association has reached out to Blake Snell and said, you know what, this is not helping. But yeah, it seems like by listening to his comments, he wants people to walk a minute in his shoes. Blake, anyone would jump at the chance. Nobody is going to feel any sympathy for you whatsoever. We would all jump at the chance to walk in your shoes. Because whenever this does end, as Buster brought up, 30 million Americans don't know where their jo- their next job is going to, to be. Blake Snell, whenever his, if he decides to play this year, if he decides to sit out this year and play the following year, whenever, he knows he's got a job. He knows that he is, he's got money. Now, it's going to be less, right? It's, it's disappointing that there's not going to be a full Major League Baseball season. But his comments, I mean, talk about coming off as tone deaf. It's hard to it's hard to listen to his comments and not be scratching your head because they are not helping the players association in any way in terms of the PR battle and at least in terms of the PR battle so far the owners are wiping the floor with the players wiping the floor the fact that they came out and said hey we'll give you a 50-50 split of the revenue for the average person hearing that that sounds like a it's pretty hard to be against something where you're saying, hey, it's a 50-50 split. And Blake Snell's comments, uh, in addition to the reaction from the players associate, it's, they're, they're not helping their own cause. Now look, they might not, they don't, they maybe they don't care about what the PR battle is. They don't need to win the PR battle to win the financial battle. But in terms of the game and the health of the game, these kind of comments, there, if there has not already been a memo from Tony Clark, there should be saying, guys, if this is the type of stuff you're going to put out there, you need to shut up because it's not helping. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll get moment of inspiration for this Friday morning. We will uh, take your phone calls at 1-800-919-ESPN. And uh, also, the third segment I feel like has become the segment where I uh, bring up the things that I forgot to bring up the day before. There was the Michael Jordan story that I forgot to mention yesterday, and and uh, it's a, a perfect illustration of how anybody who talks about how great a leader Michael Jordan is, it's just an example of he was a great winner. He was a great player, the greatest player in my eyes. But leadership, everything gets – when you're a great winner, everything gets chalked up to leadership. Even things that aren't really great leadership. So I'll detail that too. Lifted in the air, in the infield. Derek Jeter waiting, waiting, waiting. Makes the catch. A no hitter for Dwight Gooden. 
that was 96 yesterday. That was the anniversary yesterday of Dwight Gooden's no-hitter, uh, of course, against the Seattle Mariners. I'm pretty sure that was the day in 96 the Knicks got eliminated from the playoffs. Maybe it was just a playoff game, but I'm pretty sure that was the case. And uh, this kind of ties in to another story we did not mention in headlines, but uh, Bob Watson, former Major League player and former Yankee GM. Now, he didn't have a long run as Yankee GM, and I think that most of the credit given to the turnaround of the Yankees in 96 was given to Stick Michael, who kind of compiled uh, the the um, draft and uh, the talent rebuild while George was on suspension. But Bob Watson passed away yesterday at the age of 74, former baseball all-star, uh, two-time all-star, was the first black general manager to win a World Series uh, when the Yankees won in 96. And the Yankees had that big, they had a big season in 96, but right before the trade deadline, they made a bunch of moves. They brought in Graham Lloyd. Um, they brought in a couple other guys. They obviously brought in Cecil Fielder in the trade with uh, Ruben Sierra. I don't know if that was right at the trade deadline, but uh, they made a bunch of moves there. And those moves, Charlie Hayes, obviously, who caught the final out of the 96 World Series. So uh, Bob Watson passing away at the age of 74 had had a bunch of uh, health issues over the uh, past few years. So uh, condolences to his family. And then you got the news yesterday as well that former uh, Mets manager, former A's manager, Art Howe is right now in the hospital with uh, dealing with the uh, coronavirus. So all the best to him. But uh, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Take you up until 6 o'clock, at which time. It is Golick and Wingo that come your way. Our poll question, which is up for today on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, all to do with the uh, comments of Blake Snell, who uh, said that uh, he is uh, not going to play this season for a reduced salary, or at least I think he means that a salary less than what it already is. I think that he would be okay playing for the reduction, the prorated portion of his salary for this year but uh, that he would not agree to any further reduction. And look, that's still up in the air. It's It also is important to bring up, it's not just about the players giving in. You know, there's this, it's almost like we have to pick sides. Is it players? Is it owners? Which one do you think is, is being more fair? But no, it's it's on the owners too. The owners, at the end of the day, are sacrificing more in the long term because if the game is hurt, it will hurt these players in the in the now. But as we see, players' careers are not very long. In the long run, if the game is hurt, it will impact the owners more. So if it's not a 50-50 split, it's more riding on the owners to make sure that there is a baseball season, or at least that there is one that takes place and it's not canceled over money. Let's put it that way. It's more on the owners to make sure. So if they have to give in a little bit more than the players, if it's not a 50-50 split, well, then it's on the owners. They have more riding on this long term. So for Rob Manfred, who was on CNN last night, saying that the if there's no season, that the owners are risking the losses could be up to $4 billion. Yeah, well, you got more riding on this. You have more invested in the game, and you are the game. At the end of the day, the owners own the game. You know, there's a reason why... When they're talking about negotiations, it's the negotiations between MLB and the players. The owners are the MLB. So it's more riding on them to make sure that there is a season. So Blake Snell, who uh, said that he's not risking his life, bro, uh, that's the poll question today. Are you um, 
do you are you in favor of his comments? Do you agree with them, or do you hear his comments and um, think you should not be saying this out loud, even if it's the way you feel? I can understand him feeling that way, but it's not helpful to his case to be saying that out loud. And I don't. He. It's almost like he's saying it, looking for people to put themselves in his shoes. The problem is everyone. Just about 99.99999% of people would jump at the chance to put themselves in his shoes. So the one story at 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number, 1-800-919-3776. The one story that I meant to mention yesterday and didn't uh, get to it. Did you see that this uh, Sam Smith, who uh, wrote The Jordan Rules and has been part of the uh, documentary series The Last Dance, which airs on Sundays on ESPN, and of course this Sunday will be the uh, final weekend of the uh, 10-part documentary series he was talking on a podcast and and this is more of what i wanted from the document the documentary has been great but there's i wanted more i guess lack of a better word dirt on michael jordan i wanted more of these psycho stories of michael jordan and you've gotten some of them but most of them because jordan is is a partner in the documentary they have been favorable to jordan i want more of the you know the non-favorable ones, the crazy stories about Michael Jordan. And Sam Smith was on a podcast, and one of the things that he mentioned was that Jordan would refuse to let Horace Grant eat on the team plane if Horace Grant had a bad game. What that is an example of is, and it's the game, we all know the, the game. But we make it out like the, the like the rules of the game aren't known to everybody. And the rules of the game are, if you win, everything is excused. And if you win like Jordan did, who is one of the great all-time winners in any sport, it will be chalked up to leadership. The fact that the, the episode, the eighth episode, was talking about Michael Jordan's leadership and how he, he asked only of himself, you know, only of, of his teammates what he gave himself. If you are looking at that, any of these stories and thinking that Michael Jordan was still a great leader, I, I don't know what you're talking – I mean, it's just an example of leader – everything gets thrown into leadership if you win. It doesn't matter what you do. You will be considered a great leader. He wasn't a great leader. It was, The Bulls didn't win because Michael Jordan's leadership. They won because Michael Jordan was the best player by far. And Scottie Pippen was a great player too. That's why they won. It's not, it's not because of his leadership. And can you, and I don't know, they, I didn't get any details on how many times this happened. Maybe it only happened once. So maybe it's not really a big deal. But if this happened repeatedly, if Michael Jordan would tell the flight attendants, no, do not feed Horace Grant because he had a bad game. Like the one time it happens, if you're Horace Grant, you're there, or maybe this is a mix up. If you're Horace Grant, at some point, no, you say, no, I'm eating. I'm starving. I just play. I, I might not have played well, but I want to eat food. But Michael Jordan, what a great leader. I mean, come on. Uh, are people delusional? But I guess there are people. Uh, look, uh, all you need to do is either mention LeBron or Michael Jordan, and people, a good portion of them, lose their minds over what what is what is real and what is not. <laughs> I was talking about Bob Watson, who uh, passed away yesterday at the age of 74. So condolences to his family. But uh, longtime 
baseball player, but, you know, here in New York, and especially for me, you know, I'm not old enough to really have appreciated the Yankee titles in 77 or 78. I remember 81 losing that World Series to the Dodgers after being up two games to none. And then, you know, for, for Yankee fans, the real doldrums, not that they are as bad as they're sometimes portrayed. You know, they had some, some good teams in the 80s. Uh, just didn't have the pitching to really compete or make the playoffs. And back then, it was a lot harder, obviously, to make the playoffs. And then you had, you know, 94, where the Yankees were a really good, you know, you could see the kind of the turnaround coming. Uh, and then 94 for it to be wiped out because of the strike. 95, you have the great series with the Mariners. And then 96, for them to finally cap it off with a championship after the the way that World Series got uh, got started. And it certainly looked like, uh, you know, it was going to be over pretty quickly in 96 when they, they dropped the first two games the way they did. But um, Bob Watson was the GM and kind of got lost in the mix, right? Because... It was Stick Michael who was kind of leading the rebuild while George was uh, suspended. And then shortly after, Bob Watson was not on the job all that long. I think he was only on the job maybe a year, maybe two. And then, of course, it was Brian Cashman who was elevated to the job, and he's been there ever since. But you think about some of the the transactions that they made in that 96 season when they already had a pretty good team. But – July, they they make the move for Cecil Fielder, trading away Ruben Sierra, who was a was a good player for the Yankees in '95. I love Ruben Sierra because when he hit home runs, he'd basically almost walk into the Yankee dugout, rounding first base. Love that. Had his, his shirt started to be buttoned at the navel. Um, also in '96, they they brought in Daryl Strawberry, and then they made the move for Graham Lloyd, who he was terrible when they made during the regular season, Graham Lloyd was terrible, but he was a key uh lefty arm. And they traded away Bob Wickman, who was pretty good at the time. And then they also made that deal for Charlie Hayes. So they made some some key moves there. Uh David Weathers, that was another one. David Weathers was another guy they brought in uh from the Marlins. So they made some big deals and um that was you know Bob Watson was the GM that year, so uh can, you know, it was a big, uh, a big moment at the time. Big moment in my life seeing them win in '96 when Charlie Hayes caught that that final out. And I, I think out of all the Yankee titles, that's probably still still my favorite. Probably still my favorite of the of of the ones that I have been alive. You know, really, you know, '78, '79, I was alive, but I was six or seven years old. I, I, I can't say that I was actually, um, you know, sitting up and invested in those games or that I remember them. Outside of rewatching them when I was much, much older. Not at the moment. Not at the moment. All right. So the headlines for this morning, in case you're just getting up, just getting rolling on this uh, Friday morning. We started with the Giants and the story you'd probably have heard by now. DeAndre Baker, Giants former first round pick of just a year ago, facing four counts of armed robbery with a gun in Florida. The affidavit states that Baker pointed a semi-automatic gun at a party goer and directed two others to take money and valuables from two other partygoers. Seahawks cornerback Quentin Dunbar also wanted on four counts. And as bad as the DeAndre Baker part of this is, allegedly, how about Dunbar, who was actually giving interviews yesterday as a member of the Seahawks. Here he is. Uh, I guess it was like a Zoom interview. You just, you know, you just want to feel one at the end of the day. So, you know, them guys made a, uh, you know, made their job to trade for me. And that's, that's good enough for me. And I, you know, 
And I just hope to repay him with, you know, the way I carry myself as a person. He's going to repay the Seahawks with how he carries himself as a person. And it will be much easier to pay them back with the $12,000, allegedly, that was uh, stolen in the high. $61,000 in watches. How many watches were there? It's always amazing to me that there there are people that wear Ro- – I would not feel comfortable wearing a Rolex watch that costs like 10000 just walking around in public with something that costs that much money. But uh, just when you think it doesn't get any worse, it actually does because the affidavit also says that Baker told a another person to shoot someone who walked in, I guess, on the robbery while it was taking place. So there's a lot to unpack there, and the Giants uh, put out a statement just basically saying that they're aware of the situation. So obviously not good news. And and this had been a pretty positive offseason for the Giants, right? Like the hiring of Joe Judge, I think, was one that maybe you, you kind of questioned a bit at the time, and we don't know what kind of coach he is going to be. But I think it was looking more and more favorable the longer the offseason kind of went along because the more you heard Joe Judge speak, it certainly, at least in terms of what he is saying and how he approaches things, he seems like a football coach. He doesn't seem like a guy who's not only a head coach for the first time, but a first-time NFL head coach. So you've kind of felt a little bit more positive about that hiring, even though it's pretty clear at the time the Giants wanted to hire Matt Rule, and he turned them down more than they turned him down. Um, and then the draft this year for Dave Gettleman, by all accounts and measures, nothing but positive reviews. So you just have to wonder, here you are, you know, John Mara or Steve Tisch, and you decide to give Dave Gettleman another year. And here's a guy that he just drafted a year ago. And look, he struggled a lot in his rookie year, but it's not uncommon for corners to struggle a lot in their first year. And it seemed like maybe by the end of the year, he was starting to figure things some some things out after what you'd have to say was just a brutal rookie season. And not that you would blame Dave Gettleman for what took place or, how, you know, how could Dave Gettleman ever know? You know, even if the guy did have some red flags about effort or, or, or this thing or that thing, I don't think that anybody could have predicted something like this would happen. But at the end of the day, if you're the GM, you're judged on the picks you make. You're judged by the record and the record pretty clear, unless something just completely unexpected happens and DeAndre Baker was uh, just misidentified, it, it's pretty clear that this is going to be a bust of a pick. And when you're Dave Gettleman, who is charged with not only rebuilding the talent base of the team and rebuilding the team, but something that he has brought up repeatedly, that he had to rebuild the culture, and he has moved guys out, talented players out, because the culture was not right. He had to, he had to find the right culture within the locker room. And for all the guys that he's moved out, none have been accused of anything like what DeAndre Baker is being accused of right now. So that's the first headline of the day, and that's a story that uh, obviously we're going to be covering all day here on 98.7 FM. But uh, last night, Rob Manfred, the baseball commissioner, was on CNN kind of talking about what the protocols would be if baseball is able to have a season this year testing players for coronavirus 
And uh, what the, you know, the, there was a report that there's a 100 page document detailing basically every single solitary thing for each and every team. Everything from how the, the cleanliness of the, of the chartered flights to reducing exposure to players. It's by uh, stadium workers. So, and at that testing multiple times a week and they have their own lab that would be able to test players on that regular of a basis to make sure that uh, they are safe. And that uh, he said on CNN last night, Rob Manfred, that if they were to cancel the season, the owners would lose as much as $4 billion. And then, of course, where we spent a, mo- a lot of the focus of the day was on the comments of Blake Snell, who said that while he is, I think, has a lot of support within Major League Baseball, talked about how he was not going to play at all this year for a reduced salary and that it's not it's not worth the risk, basically saying that he's risking his life, which if that's the way he feels, Rob Bamford has said that they are not going to force any Major League Baseball players to to play this year if they feel like the risk is too great. But it seems pretty clear that Blake Snell is willing, he's willing to put that risk on hold for a price, and that price is what his salary actually is. And when you hear the comments of Blake Snell, who wants people to feel almost sympathetic for him and his situation, when it's pretty clear every single person listening at the sound of my voice right now would jump at the chance to be in Blake Snell's situation. So that was the poll question day. It's up on Twitter. We're already out of time. The show's over. We'll see you Monday at 5, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.